From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, President Trump yesterday stepped up his pressure on cities that are fostering lawlessness, looting, and mayhem by ordering a review of federal funding to offending cities for the purpose of cutting off federal funds. Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado is here with us in just a moment. Franklin Graham will be here as well to provide an update on Samaritan Purse's hurricane relief efforts that are taking place in Texas and Louisiana. We'll also talk about his call for a prayer march in Washington, D.C., taking place later this month as the nation moves toward one of, if not the most, critical election in our history. And just when you think the attack on America can't intensify any further, the mayor of D.C., Mayor Bowser, has released a report calling for at least 135 figures from history, which includes presidents, including the founding father, that they be canceled. Their names would be removed from parks, schools, statues, streets, and other public property because, according to the report, in part they, quote, discriminated against marginalized groups in a way that would violate D.C. law, end quote. So we're now judging historical figures from 250 years ago by In some cases, asinine laws passed by the current D.C. City Council? My gosh. Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, joins me for that discussion as well as a conversation about what light the Bible can shed on the lawlessness that is popping up in cities across the nation. You'll want to stick around for that. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on Twitter or Parler, it's at T. Perkins. Let me remind you, take the challenge. Have you taken the challenge? What challenge? The challenge to pray, vote, and stand. Go to TonyPerkins.com and take the challenge. If you missed Wednesday night's production of Pray, Vote, Stand, you can find it archived at PrayVoteStand.org. We had Attorney General from Texas, Ken Paxton, on talking about voter fraud and election integrity. Pretty good stuff. You might want to check it out. If you missed it, go to prayvotestand.org. Violent protests continue across the country, but House Republicans are putting a emphasis, an emphasis on the chaos taking place in Washington, D.C. An investigation is being demanded uh, by several members of Congress who want to know if these dangerous demonstrations are receiving outside funding, if there is a criminal conspiracy. President Trump is also calling for as I mentioned, the defunding of other anarchist cities around the country. Joining me now to talk about all of this and more is Congressman Ken Buck. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Colorado. Congressman Buck is a member of the House Judiciary Committee and a former district attorney. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. All right, you were one of the first out calling for investigations into what is taking place with uh, these uh, mobs. I mean, we've had two rounds of riots uh, in D.C. It's happening elsewhere. Uh, Are you convinced there's um, a coordination taking place? I am. When you look at uh, the the nature of the protest, the the violent protest, the criminal activity, uh, it involves um, a a large portion of of individuals from out of state, from outside the area. Um, And these folks are staying at nice hotels. They're uh, you know, driving cross country, there there are resources being expended that would suggest more than just a, a group of individuals acting 
um, uh, individually but, and rather acting in concert. Now, from a legal perspective, if we find that someone, and I'm just suggesting, I, I'm not saying he has anything to do with it, although I wouldn't be surprised, somebody like George Soros or one of his entities giving money to coordinate and fund people to cross state lines to engage in not, not, not protesting, not legal protesting. I'm talking about criminal, as you mentioned, distinguishing between, you know, peaceful protesting and criminal activity, looting, uh, burning, uh, breaking windows, burning buildings. That's criminal activity. If someone is funding that, is that that's criminal behavior? Could that be a I mean, something like a RICO? Uh, channel. What, 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 what might we be looking at here? So uh, crossing interstate lines for purposes of rioting, um, comm- committing domestic terrorist acts uh, is a crime. And someone who funds that activity uh, is aiding and abetting in uh, violation of federal law. So, yes, uh, it, it may qualify um, as a RICO case. It may uh, just qualify uh, under uh, federal statutes for uh, prosecution and it can be prosecuted um, both the location of where the funding is coming from. So, in other words, if somebody in New York is funding an activity uh, where people uh, from Portland are traveling to D.C. Uh, to riot, um, the, they can be prosecuted in New York, D.C., or in, in Oregon. What do you think is the underlying goal? from these organized if if, i mean again i agree with you i I think we haven't seen all of the evidence but it was suggested it's organized what do you think the end game is here well i think there's there's a number of uh uh, goals that that these groups have one is is to try to portray the current administration as unable to govern and and that's something that uh that speaker pelosi has been focused on uh, for the last four years and in, in, uh, in, in creating this uh, sort of appearance. The, the other goal, I think, is, is to move their socialist agenda forward. You can't have socialism in America with the Constitution that we have, with the case law that we have, with the statutory law that we have, um, with the respect that we have for our historical figures and uh, for the, the uh, principles that this country was founded on. And so I believe that one of the primary goals of this movement is to try to undermine the uh, the um, Americans' understanding of uh, our founding and uh, what really made us great. If, if they can challenge what makes us great, they can make the argument that some other philosophy would make us even better. So, Congressman Buck, it would be accurate to say that a, a large focus or a a major goal of these organized protests would be to destabilize our republic. I think that's absolutely right. And and I think that uh, you 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 see the American reaction to that when you see gun sales go up, when you see the concern that uh, especially suburban uh, um, Americans have uh, uh, about these riots. There's uh, public Security uh, has moved up in the polls significantly um, as one of the primary issues that people are taking into account when they're casting their vote this fall. So, Congressman, do you think that left, if this was organized effort, that they underestimated the American people and their desire to preserve the republic? 
I, I absolutely believe that. I, I think they will see a backlash in November like they have never seen before. And I think you're starting to see now uh, the Biden administration uh, under or the administration, the Biden campaign, understanding that, and the uh, other Democrat campaigns around the country understanding that they're seeing the polling results, and and they are starting to back off of their support for this uh, anarchist movement. You mentioned as one of their objectives was to show the Trump administration unable to govern. But I personally think that's backfired because I think what the president has done, as he did yesterday with this uh, five page memo ordering all federal agencies to send reports to the White House uh, Management Budget Office, detailed funding uh, to the states that are refusing to enforce the law, defunding the police, and, re, and as a result, redirecting federal money. I think these mayors of Minneapolis, of Portland, of Seattle, are the ones that are being exposed as unable to govern. Well, they certainly are with, with you and I, uh, Tony. I'm not sure they are with the rest of the American people. And, and it's something that uh, has happened uh, in, in the COVID analysis as well as this, and that is, uh, you know, when you when you talk about the number of deaths in America and the Democrats try to blame the president, it's the governors who are responsible for the health and welfare of the citizens in their states and have been in control of the economy and in uh, control of the response to the the uh, pandemic. The same thing with these riots. It is the, the governors and the mayors of these cities who are handcuffing the police and pro- prohibiting the police from protecting the citizens. Uh, the president has done everything he can to protect federal property, which is his uh, uh, job and responsibility, and he's done everything he can to protect the, the people. But if he is being prohibited by a mayor from uh, uh, helping the police force uh, enforce the law, then – uh, you certainly can't blame the president. So I think uh, as much as the Democratic uh, officials in these uh, states and cities are trying to blame the, the president, um, it is very clear that he's doing everything he can to to get this uh, terrible situation under control. And I have to believe that even though they may be, you know, left of center or even left leaning, Americans, no matter, especially, I'm going to just take New York, for example. I mean, they put a high priority on safety. I mean, you want to be able to go out of your house or even be in your house and be safe. But look look what's happened in New York alone. Gun violence has shot up 177%. Uh, there's a crime wave there. The city not only have the spike in shootings compared to July of last year, the city council approved a budget cut in July that cuts a billion dollars from the NYPD's $6 billion annual budget. And... Um, I mean, when you see these types of things and then you combine that with the fact that arrests are down 62 percent, I think the people there are smart enough to realize that Mayor de Blasio is a problem. They absolutely are. And and many of them are voting with their feet. Uh, We see this exodus from uh, New York, New Jersey to Florida and, and from California to many of the western states. And uh, the the whole left coast is is moving inland uh, as a result of the the terrible decisions and and public policy positions that that these uh, mayors and governors are taking. So, uh, absolutely huge huge problem. Yeah, when you look at the fact that uh, when the president is talking about redirecting these federal dollars, New York, for example, gets seven billion dollars a year in federal aid, 
And as you talk about this exit, every time someone leaves, that's a taxpayer in most cases, not all cases, but those that leave are primarily the ones that are that are paying the load, paying the freight. And and it's only going to get worse for these cities that are being governed by liberal Democrats who will not uphold order and enforce the law. They're going to lose their tax base. They're going to lose their tax base and, and they're going to lose really the. Uh, the, the the folks that that volunteer for uh, you know coaching little league baseball and and, and the Rotary clubs and the uh, churches and and so many activities these are the people who are most involved in their community who really keep the community going and when they give up and when they leave and and they decide I need to move my family to a safer area uh, the community is affected in, in a lot of different ways you're going to yeah. see. Uh, broken windows and graffiti and, and all sorts of other problems arise because community leaders and uh, volunteers are, are, are heading out. And if Nancy Pelosi had her way in a Biden administration, the federal government would be bailing out those poorly run cities. Absolutely. And big mistake. Ken Buck, thanks so much for uh, joining us. As, as always, great to talk with you. Great to talk with you, too, Tony. Thank you. All right, uh, Congressman Ken Buck of uh, Colorado, member of the House Judiciary Committee, one of the voices calling for an investigation into the quote-unquote organized mobs. When we come back, Franklin Graham joins us with an update on the hurricane relief efforts taking place in Texas and Louisiana. We'll also talk about his call for a prayer march coming up later this month in Washington, D.C., and the why behind it. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Do Christians have a biblical obligation to participate in government? Do Christians have a duty to vote? And if so, what principles should inform them while casting their ballots? How should pastors think about politics, and how can they shepherd their congregations well during an election season? The gospel of Jesus Christ has implications for all areas of our life, including politics. Christians must be prepared to grapple with the moral issues of our day, the reality of our two-party system, and follow our Christian convictions to their logical end by voting for candidates that support clear biblical values. Family Research Council has partnered with 21 state family policy councils for a new edition of Biblical Principles for Political Engagement. This booklet provides biblical wisdom and clear answers to pivotal questions to help you navigate the political landscape. This publication exists to facilitate careful thinking about issues and encourage God-honoring political engagement that filters all issues and candidates through a biblical worldview. To read the full publication, visit frc.org engage. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. 
What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, the, the news cycle, I mean, there's so much going on. Uh, in fact, this week, the, the headlines have been packed with different stories. And so the the follow-up to uh, Hurricane Laura is is already an afterthought. I mean, the, as, as quickly as the winds blow through, the attention shifts elsewhere. But uh, folks are still hurting. I was talking to some law enforcement officials that were over there yesterday some of the relief folks on the ground. Um, it's going to be a while. And uh, one of the organizations, uh, they were on earlier in the week, that just they do spectacular work, and they do it in the name of Jesus Christ. They minister. Uh, they minister to the people uh, while they're on the ground. Um, and I've seen it firsthand in uh, my church when I was pastoring during the flood four years ago, hundreds of people coming to Christ as well as having their homes cleaned out, restored, rebuilt in some cases. Uh, Samaritan's Purse does a tremendous job. And um, in just a moment, we're going to be joined by uh, Franklin Graham. Um, Franklin Graham, president of Samaritan's Purse, joins us now. Uh, Franklin, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's uh, good to be with you. Thank you. Well, Franklin, I was just talking a little bit about the relief efforts in Texas and Louisiana and how, you know, quickly the media moves on almost as fast as the winds blow through. But there is still a lot of work down there. Give us an update on what Samaritan's Purse is doing. Um, thank you, Tom. We're, we're working in uh, Lake Charles, uh, DeRitter, uh, Jennings, and DeQuincy. And we've got right now... A um, little over uh, 600 uh, requests for help, and um, we'll be taking volunteers. I think uh, so far we've had about 100 volunteers. Um, and of course, those numbers uh, we hope will go up uh, every week. Um, and then, uh, Tony, we've got chaplains with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association uh, that are working uh, alongside uh, our volunteers, uh, ministering to the families. As we help clean up the property, we've got chaplains uh, praying with family members and uh, sharing Christ with them. Um, This, of course, you know, is a Category 4 hurricane. Nineteen people were killed. Uh, 900,000 people were left without power. Uh, And uh, it just uh, did so much devastation. Um, And like you said, the media has left. uh, But we're going to be there, Tony, for some time. And and everything we do, we do it in the name of Jesus. 
in, uh, and I know that. And I know the work that you do because I've worked alongside your uh, your people, and they do great great work in the name of the Lord. And it's uh, it's exciting to see the spiritual ministry that goes on. But folks, I want to tell you, that not only do we have no power in some of these areas, they still don't have water uh, that they can drink, and so right. relief efforts are are needed. And and uh, folks can volunteer right now by going to your website. Can they not? Absolutely. Uh, go spiritfirst.org and. Um, you'll you'll find uh, uh, where we're working and uh, how to volunteer and give. That that is a, a number one need right now. Tony, is just having people who are willing to come and work for a day or come for a weekend or a week, uh, whatever the case may be. But uh, by by helping a homeowner, it, it gives us an opportunity to share Christ with that homeowner. And we see uh, in every deployment like this, we see people get saved. Um, people. Uh, find Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and, and that's that's the most important thing that we can do for anybody is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And for the volunteers that come, there's a camaraderie that develops when you spend a week with people working. Let me just say, folks, if you volunteer, you cannot volunteer with a better organization. You you won't waste any time. You won't be you won't waste any time. You're not going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs. Very well organized. Very well executed. Uh, and there's other ministries out there as well, but I just know Samaritan's Purse firsthand for working alongside them. Uh, Franklin, I want to transition for a, a moment. I'm going to encourage people to, to go to the website, volunteer, give uh, to this effort and other efforts that are going on. You're all over the world uh, ministering in the name of Jesus. But when you look at these storms and the, the frequency and the intensity, and then you look at the confluence of the other issues, the the pandemic, you look at the economic downturn, you look at the the division in our nation, uh, we're at a very critical moment in the history of this country, are we not? No question, uh, Tony. And I think the, the most important thing uh, as we come to this election, uh, we, we need to pray. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our leaders. Um, I, I, there, there is no hope for this nation outside of God. Uh, we have taken God out of our schools. We've taken him out of government. And look look what we have uh, to show. If you, if you look at Portland and uh, Seattle, these cities that uh, have gone so secular and so far to the left, uh, they're falling apart. And so this is going to happen to our country if, if we don't <clears throat> pray. I'm, I'm asking Christians to join me on the 26th of September in Washington for a prayer march. There's not going to be any speakers. There's not going to be any music. Uh, we're going to we're going to pray. We're going to start at the Lincoln Memorial. We're going to go all the way down to uh, the Capitol, uh, praying as we go. Uh, some people will maybe walk faster. Uh, some may go slower. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's just fill the mall in Washington with people of prayer, uh, and that's on the 26th. It's a Saturday. And I'm, we're starting at noon, and it's a, it'll take about two hours. But I ask people as they as they as they leave the city or as they come into the city, uh, go down different streets, pray for the the uh, the people that work in those those buildings in our capital, and uh, let's just pray that that God uh, that our leaders would turn back to God, and, uh, and uh, that's that's the only hope for this nation is God. And so I, I believe this may be the most critical time in our history. And we're just going to have a, a prayer march. All of us participate. All of us pray. We're all working together. Uh, 
to take uh, our petitions before the throne of God. Franklin, uh, hold on. I want to ask you a couple more questions. We're up against a break, if you'll just stay right there. And, uh, and folks, I want to encourage you to participate in that prayer march on September the 26th. I'll be there. I'll be participating in it. I think when you look at what is happening in our nation, you look at the fact that we're going into an election, probably the most important election in the history of this country. We can't figure this one out. This needs the hand of God to direct our nation. And uh, we are at a very, very critical moment. So I encourage you to be praying even now about coming and being a part of that effort, but continue to pray and then commit to vote and to stand for biblical truth. So take the challenge. Go to TonyPerkins.com and take the challenge to pray, vote, stand. All right, stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation with Franklin on the other side of the break. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has released a new three-part series titled Three Ways to Read the Bible. In this series, Petrina Mosley, FRC's Director of Life, Culture, and Women's Advocacy, shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth through studying and applying the Bible's text. Now's the time to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible and learning what it says about God, humanity, and the power of Scripture. During this season of isolation, devote time to the Lord and seek out His meaning for you. In times of crisis and any time, this blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through His Word. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but your heart. To learn more, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. I'm Tony Perkins. You're listening to Washington Watch. So glad to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. My guest is Franklin Graham, president of Samaritan's Purse. We were talking about the relief efforts from Hurricane Laura and also the prayer march in Washington, D.C. on September the 26th at noon. On It's a Saturday at noon. You can find out more. Go to TonyPerkins.com or SamaritansPurse.org. Uh, Franklin I never thought we would get to a point where prayer is controversial. Um, You prayed at the RNC, 
uh, last week. And as a result, there's a group called Faithful America. They're a group that was funded by George Soros. Uh, calling for you to step down from Samaritan's Purse because you prayed at the Republican convention. Well, um, that's true, Tony. And I would have prayed at the Democratic National Convention if they invited me. Um, I think prayer is important, uh, especially to pray for our leaders. Um, and it's interesting, there were uh, various other clergy that did pray. Uh, many of them would be what we would consider very uh, liberal in their theological views. Uh, they prayed at the DNC, but uh, this group did not call for them to step down or to resign their positions because they prayed. Uh, they were just, I guess, uh, focusing on me. I don't know why. And I did not come out in my prayer uh, supporting the president or, or Joe Biden. I just asked that we pray and uh, ask God's blessing on them and protection. Uh, and for all of our leaders. So uh, anyhow, I, th- I think the board is uh, probably not going to uh, <laughs> uh, is probably I, I, not going to uh, give in to their demands. Believe me, I wasn't concerned about that. I, I do think it's a commentary <laughs> on where we are as a nation, because in 1988, I've got a short clip I want to play of your father who prayed at the Democratic Convention in fact, I think that year he pre- prayed at both, Republican and Democrat. Uh, but this right. is a clip of him praying at the 1990, I'm sorry, 1988 Democratic Convention. Play clip one, please. Our Father and our God, we pause in the middle of this great political convention to acknowledge our dependence upon you and to seek your wisdom and direction in all that is done during these days. We thank you for what you have given us as a nation and as a people. We thank you for all the ideals that made America great. We thank you for our spiritual roots. We recall with gratitude the words from the Bible which are inscribed on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and all the inhabitants thereof. We also thank you for our political system and for this convention which illustrates the process of democracy at work. Franklin, if your father were alive today, do you think that he would be invited to the Democratic Convention to pray as he did in 1988? Uh, No, he wouldn't have been invited. Uh, But again, if he had been invited, he certainly would go. Uh, He would have done that. Uh, And I would, too. And I commend you for saying that. And I, I would challenge the Democratic Convention or Democratic uh, leaders to to have prayer. Um, th- what, what, what's interesting, and you look at the debate that has taken place within the Democratic Party just about the recognition of God. In fact, you don't even find God in their platform except as a uh, descriptor, a uh, God-given uh, uh, potential. Uh, so I, I do think that the lines, that, and uh, George Barna puts it this way, that this election isn't about party, it's not about politics, it's really about a worldview whether we have a creator to whom we're accountable or we are God ourselves. And, and Tony, um, I, I think it's, um, I think it's that plus uh, there is a push to take our country uh, into socialism, which is the precursor to communism. And uh, they want to control the church. And if you look at Eastern Europe, look at the Soviet Union, where churches were closed, uh, pastors were told what to say or not to say, 
And if they did not follow that line, they were uh, put in prison. And I'm not saying that's that's coming tomorrow, but I think this is the direction our country is heading. And it's very frightening when you see people, uh, churches today, are because of COVID-19, are told they yeah. can't meet, they can't worship, and and that's that's they have every right in the Constitution to do that. But our our liberties and our constitutional rights are being thrown out the window uh, on this uh, whole notion of COVID-19. I think people can can be smart, be careful, but uh, they have the politicians have no right to tell people of faith how and when to worship. Well, the alarm bell should be ringing, and Christians should be responding. It begins with prayer, but it doesn't stop there. We need to vote. Uh, we need to vote biblical values, and we need to stand up for biblical truth, no matter what the culture may say. Absolutely. Franklin, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank you for the work of Samaritan's Purse, for uh, just a tremendous work you do in helping people that are hurting. And I look forward to seeing you in Washington, D.C. on September the 26th. Uh, thank you. I look forward to seeing you as well. God bless. All right. Uh, Franklin Graham with Samaritan's Purse. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, while you're there, take the challenge to pray, vote, Stand, folks. I mean, I, everybody I'm talking to is saying America is at a critical juncture. I mean, if you listen to this program, you know I'm not one given to hyperbole, and I'm not one of those guys with hair on fire. But I'm telling you, America is at a critical point, and this is not the time to be a spectator. You've got to do your part. All right. When we come back, Al Mohler joins us. We'll take a biblical look at the lawlessness that is popping up around the country. Don't go away. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increased pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org sexuality. Again, that's frc.org sexuality. In today's culture, it can be difficult for men to navigate what it means to be a man and to find clear models of masculinity and manhood. There are many competing ideas out there and even confusion around the basic concepts of gender and sex. Where can boys, young men, husbands, and fathers find a model of manhood, leadership, and strength in today's culture of confusion? This is Tony Perkins inviting you to join me at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference led by men who are seasoned, compassionate leaders who understand the issues of the day. These issues will invest in unpacking our role as defenders, providers, instructors, and battle buddies so that men can have generational influence, 
as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Join us at one of our upcoming events in Texas, Louisiana, Florida, or Virginia. Learn more about Stand Courageous and find an event near you at StandCourageous.com. That's StandCourageous.com. StandCourageous.com. With horrifying acceleration in recent years, verified reports of murders, rapes, mutilations, and kidnapping of Christians in Nigeria have persistently increased. These attacks are frequently accompanied by the torching of homes, churches, villages, and agricultural fields. A July 15, 2020 headline reports that over 1,000 Nigerian Christians were killed in the first six months of 2020. This is in addition to 11,000 Christians who have been killed since June 2015. News stories about the assaults in Nigeria are rarely reported in mainstream media outlets. But when they are, they're regularly explained away as effects of climate change, local feuds, or religious wars for which both sides bear equal responsibility. For more information about the persecution of Christians in Nigeria, read FRC's publication, the Crisis of Christian Persecution in Nigeria at frc.org slash Nigeria. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you with us. The website, in case you forgot it, TonyPerkins.com. All right, now, this next item we're going to talk about, some of you might think I'm reading a Babylon Bee story, but I'm not. The mayor of D.C., Mayor Bowser, has released a report this week uh, calling for at least 135 figures from history, including presidents, including the first president, President Washington, essentially be canceled. Their names would be removed from uh, parks, schools, statues, uh, streets, and other public properties, or there would be plaques put on place to kind of explain why they're still standing. Now, in part, the report, uh, this commission that was put in place by the mayor, says that uh, they, quote, discriminated against marginalized groups in a way that would violate D.C. law, end quote. Joining me now to talk about this and how we look at the lawlessness that is popping up around the country from a biblical perspective is Dr. Al Mohler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Mohler, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, it's always great to be with you. I appreciate your work. Good to be with you. Well, thank you. Um, I know you've taken a look at this because I saw your podcast, and folks, he has a daily podcast that you can uh, subscribe to. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. We've got a link up there for you. Uh, the mayor of D.C., I mean, as I said, this could be a Babylon B story. I mean, Washington, D.C., nation's capital, uh, talking about um, removing the founders of this country, including Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, it's an astounding thing. It, it is as if a satirist wrote it. You're exactly right. But this isn't the Babylon B. This is Washington, D.C. And, uh, and it was a group known as D.C. Faces which was an official group that answered to the mayor, and they presented a proposal. By the way, they studied this giant issue of history-making proportions for an entire six weeks. That tells you what's going on right now in this cultural revolution. After six weeks of considering the weightiest issues facing humanity, they decided to propose, amongst other things, that the Washington uh, Monument and the Jefferson Memorial should be removed, relocated, or 
contextualized. Uh, it, it is it's insanity. It, it's an effort to try not only to rewrite history, but now to act as if history didn't happen. And so many people this is happening so quickly, as you said, six weeks to study this. This is being unveiled. Um, and people are in shock. We've got riots in D.C. I mean, you have people that are at restaurants and if they don't salute Black Lives Matter, they're hounded. And so people have shrunk back in silence. But we're literally seeing the country pulled out from underneath of the American people, the majority of the people right before our very eyes. No, that's absolutely right. Because, you know, when you're talking about uh, Jefferson and uh, Washington in particular, just to take those two. Uh, we're both of them slaveholders. Yes. Do we need to reckon with that? Honestly, yes. Does history mm-hmm. need to deal with that straightforwardly? Of course. But can you even tell the American story without Washington and Jefferson? No. And, and, and it's not just telling the American story. It's not just history. It's that those two together, uh, who, who didn't agree on everything, but they basically are two bookends of defining the entire American experiment in constitutional self-government. And it, it, uh, the point I wanted to make this morning on my program was this isn't a call to, uh, to reformation. It's a call to utter total revolution. It, it is. But, but let me ask you this, Dr. Moeller. If we only did statues of people who made no mistakes, how many statues would we have? Well, according to Scripture, no, not one. Exactly. Uh, there, wouldn't, there wouldn't be any. And, you know, the Bible itself, I appreciate you pointing to the, to the Bible, because the Bible is so honest. Just think about King David. Uh, you know, King David's horrifying sin is, is displayed, as, as is true of Israel, as is true of, for that matter, you know, going all the way back to the fall. I mean, look at Abraham. But also fast forward to the book of Hebrews. Uh, you know, David, it's true, was a horrible sinner, uh, guilty basically of uh, arranging murder and also of adultery. But the Messiah himself reigns forever on David's throne, uh, Christ the Lord. And, and in the book of Hebrews, we have this, this uh, line of patriarchs and matriarchs who are honored for their faith, and every one of them was a sinner. And the reason that the Bible is very clear about all of that, showing the warts and the, the flaws, is that the story of history is the story of redemption, God had to step in and provide a way of redemption. And so the story of America is the story of redemption. It is the fact that we didn't have it right at the beginning. We don't have it right today. And you know what? We're never going to be perfect, but we've been improving along the way. And that's the story of mankind that will be lost when we disregard and rewrite history. That's right. And, and it, it's the reversal of rational, reasonable self-government, this rare experiment in constitutional self-government that is the United States. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. actually had it right. And uh, he and others talked about cashing the check that was the Declaration of Independence. That, that mm-hmm. is exactly yeah. the right logic. And, uh, and, and so they were pointing back to when Jefferson, as the primary author, said that uh, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Martin Luther King showed up and said, I want to cash that check. Uh, Muriel Bowser showing up and saying, I want to take down the monument, move the memorial. I will tell you, I was asked by a reporter this morning about it, and I said, I just want to buy a front row seat to the relocation of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> well, they'll try. Um, but, uh, let me use a, a theological term here of yeah. sanctification. Because once we come to the faith in Christ Jesus, we, we don't immediately become you know, godly. I mean, we, we, it's a process of, uh, and we never get there until, 
you know, we are uh, in the presence of God. We have the justification, the sanctification, and the glorification. But the same is true in history. You know, the, the nation was not perfect, but this process of growing has brought about you know, sanctification, if you will. I don't want to be too spiritual there with the nation, but it is the process of improving and getting better. And the civil rights movement, the ending of slavery, all of right. those things moving us toward the ideals that were encapsulated in the Declaration of Independence. And, and uh, as you know so well, no one expressed that more accurately, movingly, and theologically than Abraham Lincoln, who actually spoke of the travail through which the nation was going uh, in the Civil War, as uh, as the opportunity for the nation to emerge as uh, as as the fulfillment of the of that founding vision, and you know, in terms of Western history, the the point you're making about progress, it's used in the way we talk about the Renaissance, the Reformation. Uh, in other words, yes, that, that we we don't not one of us wants to return to uh, twelve fifteen. I don't. No. Uh, but but they didn't I, have I, fast want, food. That's right, or dentistry in a modern yes. sense. Uh, we're for both. But yes. when, it, when it comes to uh, progress in, in a moral direction, Christians are at the front line to say that's exactly what we want. We want to see progressive uh, moral uh, advancement, and we understand that society is made up of sinners, so that, that's a tough job. But that's exactly why the founders established this very system of government. And they said we had a government that was made only moral and a, a religious people because they knew they had to have that underpinning of biblical truth to move us in the direction we needed to go. Absolutely. And you know, the man who, who said that most eloquently uh, was, was George Washington himself, uh, who, humanly speaking, fleshed out the American presidency and gave stability to the American constitutional order and uh, resigned uh, and went back to uh, Mount Vernon after serving two terms to make very clear that the president was not a monarch, but an elective executive. And you need to think about the fact that you, you can't you can't explain why the 2020 presidential election is even important without pointing back to George Washington. Uh, words and all, sure, and uh, and and that's true right in the middle of the 2020 election. That's going yeah. to be true always. Dr. Al Mohler, my guest, president of Southern uh, Theological Seminary. Um, Dr. Mohler, uh, let, let me transition for just a moment to a similar topic, but the, the lawlessness that is breaking out around the country. I mean, we see it in, in Portland, Seattle, in Washington, D.C. Um, how do we look at this from a biblical perspective? I mean, you know, of course, the, 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 the humanist worldview is that man is improving. You know, evolution is bringing man to a higher uh, state of being, which we know is not true, but the scripture speaks to this, so we shouldn't really be surprised sure. by what we see happening. No, absolutely. You know, I think immediately of a passage like Judges chapter twenty-one, where we read that in rebellion in in, um, in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own sight. The Bible holds up order as good and disorder as bad. After all, the book of Genesis is about order being brought out of chaos, where right. where God acts, there is order. And, uh, and the Bible holds up the uh, polarity between anarchy and order and says order is always uh, better for humanity than anarchy, where everyone does what is right in his own sight. And, and that just leads to destruction. And, and then you have in the New Testament, in Second Thessalonians, you have the spirit of lawlessness, even a man of lawlessness. And, uh, that, and, and Paul says, you know, right now, the mystery of lawlessness 
uh, has uh, is already at work, and and that's what we see in efforts to try to upend a uh, an order in society. And, and Jesus even warns about this in in Matthew chapter twenty four, where, where he talks about because of lawlessness, um, and it, it and it's growing, it's abounding, that the love of many will grow cold. So there's this this warning that. You know, this is coming. We need to be prepared for it and not allow it to drive a wedge between us in living out our faith as disciples in Jesus Christ. That's so true. You know, the, the, the word lawlessness always appears in the Bible as a great dread and horrifyingly awful God-opposed thing. And, uh, you know, there's wrongful order. The Bible's clear about that, too. It, it, it talks about the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and Pharaoh, for that matter, uh, and he will judge all rulers and all order. But the worst thing of all is lawlessness, in which sinful humanity just turns on itself. And, and that's and that is why God actually created civil government. He ordained civil government for that purpose. So right. That, that, that's why he gave us government as a gift. You know, right now on the streets of America, there's a lot of people acting as if government, the very existence of any government, is the problem. Uh, you know, they're establishing autonomous zones, and many of them are saying, you know, down with hierarchy. We don't need any leaders. Well, the Bible just tells us, oh, yes, you do. And by the way, someone's going to decide to speak for you on MSNBC. So guess what? You got leaders. Yeah, and we need to be praying for, working for, and being a part of establishing that government that will uphold order and law, because, I mean, we can't function without it. I mean, I I do think that we are at a point of potentially slipping into anarchy when you have citizens that are patrolling the streets, which, quite frankly, I'm not sure they should be. Um, Right. I, I, I just, I don't think, I don't. Look, I'm all-American, patriot, served in the Marine Corps, been a police officer. But when the citizens are having to protect their property and march in the streets with guns, we've got a big problem. We do, and it's a problem that has been aided and abetted by the political left in this country for years, going back, just think, especially to the 1960s. And uh, But right now, this is a revolution that's uh, consuming its own, and so... Uh, you know, it's a new argument just about every day. And uh, but it all comes down, as you say, to the, to the fact that we understand that this order, this society is is in need of improvement. We, we understand that we, we believe in justice and equity and righteousness, rightly and biblically defined. Uh, but we understand those human goods only come about because God's given us the gift of order in which those things can happen. You, you, you know, right now you're having the destruction of property. It, 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 takes, it takes a long time to build wealth. It takes an instant to destroy it. Well, to that point, Dr. Mueller, can you arrive at justice through lawlessness? Absolutely not. And, and, and that is the great contradiction right now. You have people saying that they are promoting anarchy for the sake of justice. That is insanity. There's not one moment in human history where justice comes out of anarchy. Only more anarchy and human misery and often murder and mayhem comes out of anarchy. If you want justice, you have to have order. There's a reason why the greatest symbol of justice in the United States is the building of the Supreme Court of the United States. Speaking of the majesty of the law, you're going to have to have judges, laws, and yes, police officers. And by the way, I agree with you. We, we shouldn't encourage citizens 
uh, to uh, go out and act as police until the police ask us for help, at which point we will yes. give the police our help. Yes. Well, Dr. Moeller, before we run out of time, what is your message to the church, to believers, to those who follow Jesus Christ, believe the word of God? What should we be doing right now? Well, I think we may be the last sane people on earth who can say from a biblical worldview, we understand why God gave us government, why we need laws. And yes, we need righteous and just laws. We're at the front line to demand that. But it's through a lawful process. It's through the making of laws and the passage of laws. It's through the legislative and, and, uh, and the political process. It's, it's through acting as informed citizens. And, uh, and what we see right now is a demand not for reformation and continual national improvement, but for tearing the entire experiment down and starting over from anarchy. And uh, like I say, we're, and, and you've affirmed this eloquently. We as Christians have to be the first to say, that's not right, that won't work, and it's not going to happen here. Now is not the time to be silent or to stand in the shadows. Dr. Al Mohler, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. As always, greatly appreciate your insights. Likewise, great to be with you, Tony. God bless you. All right, Dr. Al Mohler. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. And again, as a daily podcast you can listen to. Folks, take the challenge. Pray, vote, stand. As if the country depended on it. Because it does. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.